welcome to New Persuasive Words, a podcast of hope-seeking understanding. You're invited to listen in to an ongoing conversation about theology, culture, and politics between your co-hosts, Scott Jones and Bill Bohr. Regardless of topic, Bill and Scott offer intelligent insights and critiques, sometimes funny, occasionally contentious, but always remaining friends. Now, here are Scott and Bill. Welcome back to the show. This is episode 275. And I'm Scott Jones. And I'm Bill Bohr. We're back. Yeah. From summer travels. Bill, did you find, you didn't find Stringfellow. I didn't find Stringfellow's grave because his ashes were scattered into the ocean over a cliff. I think I was at the cliff they were scattered at on Block Island. But it's like the Holy Land where they go. Uh, this is where John the Baptist was, or this is where. The <laughs> <laughs> or what? Is, well, in the Holy Land, oh, in the Holy Land, it's uh, uh, probable, uh, possible, or a nice story, <laughs> uh, or probably not. But no, and I don't. I didn't picture out his cottage because cottage is privately owned. There's a plaque apparently in his in his cottage. But uh, I did have an opportunity to sit in on a partial screening of a new documentary that's coming out about the Berrigan. Well, about David Berrigan. Well, I guess it's about both the Berrigan brothers. And there's already a little clip of it that's out on the internet that talks about William Stringfellow and Jim Wallace narrates it. Uh, But uh, Daniel Berrigan was on Block Island when he was arrested uh, for fleeing. Or, well, he was kind of in hiding. He was in hiding in plain view uh, when he was wanted by the FBI for... uh, burning, uh, I guess, burning draft notices. and Not notices, but draft files during the Vietnam War. But it's pretty interesting. There were people in the group who um, knew Berrigan, uh, which was kind of interesting hearing them talk about him. Uh, the, the film looks like it's going to be really interesting. Uh, she even got Liam Nielsen to uh, narrate the poetry parts of Berrigan's work. So it looks like it's, if you have, again, I don't know when it's going to be out. I think it has to be done this fall, uh, but it's a movie that's coming out about uh, the Berrigan brothers and uh, their lives. It's very interesting and uh, um, a very powerful remembrance of faith leading them to protest uh, the Vietnam War and um, war in gen- Vietnam War in particular, then war in general, and how that both was a reflection of their tradition and got them in trouble. Um, but uh, Daniel Berrigan stayed, he stayed a Jesuit his entire life. Uh, Fellow's important honor his vows and did. So interesting, interesting story. Philip, his brother. All of that on Block. All of that on Block Island. Island, then made a pilgrimage to the hills of West Virginia with my mom. And um <laughs> took my mom to a great blues Grace and Cone or something like that. He was in Philadelphia last weekend, but he was passing through the hills and uh did a did a little concert at the Purple Fiddle in Thomas, West Virginia, which is up in the mountains. Great place. Great I'm place. guessing that that's not a sort of such a mecca and hotspot for Berrigan activity. Actually, actually, it would be the pocket of Berrigan activity in West Virginia. It is, uh, it is a hippie artist en- enclave. All right, all right. It was an old mining town. Matter of fact, my grandmother lived there as a little girl. Uh, she, one of her earliest memories is waiting to see if her father survived a cave-in in a coal mine. Right. I like an old mining town. But actually, on in, on the interest of the of uh, of the Purple Fiddle, written. In English, Spanish, and Arabic is all are welcome here. All right. That probably is the only place in the state of West Virginia that might be the case. I'm sure there may be somewhere in Morgantown. But uh, pretty, pretty fun, fun thing. It was, a, it was the year anniversary of my father's death, which was a poignant way to spend it with my mom that 
that area was really important to them. I just want people to know, I want you to know mainly, Bill, because for those of you who are listening aren't aware that we also have Facebook live stream these. So Jason Michelli is watching us right now, back from summer vacation, I'm sure. So if you have any, he has not commented on your attire or anything like that. Like no, usually that's good. Well, we're all, we're all in, right, Jason? We all are accepted. We're all accepted. Yeah, everyone is accepted <laughs> with, with their attire, without their with, attire. Without attire, that's right. Yeah. Whatever. Anyway, so this idea was inspired partially by you. Do had, we have to? Have, what about current events? We have no current events or anything. Oh, like a lot. Well, <laughs> we no, current, no current events. So I just got a photo of John Bolton. He's, John Bolton is gone. He just he's just a puddle of emotion right now. Yeah, he's looking at a tour with Michael Bolton. I, I, <laughs> the Bolton brothers. I mean, they both have interesting hair. They do, and uh, gosh, I don't know. It's 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 funny that uh, that even even that. Uh, Whack job couldn't make it in the White House. <laughs> yeah. What I think is kind of interesting is that, like, he's a smart, scary guy. Is that Trump wanted to, like, negotiate with the Taliban? Like, what are those negotiations like? like <laughs> would you guys uh, stop throwing, would you stop beheading gays? Oh, no, we cannot do that. No. <laughs> what about uh, playing soccer with human heads? Okay, we could give that up. <laughs> like, I mean, what are like what? What's on the table in that negotiation? I don't know. The fact that he was having. Will you only stay at Trump properties when you're running around pillaging? What if we put some Trump properties around? <laughs> well, the fact that uh, while these negotiations were going on, they were still killing American soldiers. All right, and that the original plan was to have this event at Camp David around the anniversary of nine eleven, and. At least Bolton realized that was a bad idea. <laughs> Never forget. <laughs> forget. Let's forget. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Uh, uh, the absolute devastation uh, in the Bahamas happened. With. That's even uh, hard. That's, yeah. that's, that's unbelievable. The footage was scary. Yeah. I, I was looking at the footage of the destruction. It's just like storage, big storage things that you put on a train were flying around. I mean, uh, like, yeah. it's just unbelievable. Well, you know, I, uh, I was on Block Island, and they, I guess the great, the worst hurricane they ever had was the Great Hurricane in the 30s, where a bunch of people were killed in New England. And so I was trying to figure those, those, uh, um, you know, waves were coming in over 20 feet. Uh, but there would be places on that island that you could kind of survive. Although they said the one storm, the whole island was underwater for a while. I, I can't imagine where people were trying to survive for 48 hours while that storm was stalled over Thomas. And, but I guess the, they were having 20 foot plus storm surges and how, what the highest point on that island is 20 feet, right? Or 25 feet on the Bahamas or something like that. So it's hard to. Sean act. Connery though stayed and mm -hmm. survived in well, his mansion. It may help to have a mansion, but uh, thousands. That's right, Trebek. <laughs> I survived the storm. <laughs> Today's mine. Uh, but no, I believe he slipped on his tea. But it's uh, yeah, that, that death toll is going to go to thousands. And where did seventy thousand people without homes right now? So. Um, Seems to be some confusion whether or not they can come here or how they can come here. That we'll give the we'll give the Trump administration the benefit on the doubt, the doubt about that one for a while anyway. A couple of fairies returned back who didn't have the proper documentation, but we will we will see what uh, happens. Which I mean, wouldn't it be interesting if the Taliban made it in? Well, that's what he was implying that there's some yeah that that would be said. There were people there in the Bahamas that were trying to get into America, shouldn't and I, you know, I'm sure that that is a possibility. But what a what a catastrophe! And uh, there were people, uh, including our own uh, Coast Guard, that risked their lives to save people. So it, it's it's a horrific. Uh, 
Of course, there was a lot of damage done in North Carolina and flooding in Charleston. So, yeah, this is uh, was a quite the event. Did you? Uh, you just got some rain, right? Not yeah, barely, barely. barely yeah. The, and and big news: Mark Sanford is in the presidential election. There we so, go. There we go. Have, uh, Although the the Republican Party in his own state is trying to do away with the primary. I think he likes flamingo dancers. <laughs> it seems like that would be one thing that Trump shouldn't maybe go after him. Or that could, Trump would say that's not the only reason I admire him. <laughs> you know, I mean, I would think, but yeah. you know, who, yeah. Let's see what else happened. Well, and bet and more positive news. Well, first off, great redemption story. Person that I always think got a raw deal. Uh, Billy Bush is now back on television. <laughs> That's right. When we when Billy we first Bush. started this whole thing, you were one of the great Billy Bush champions. I, I, you know, and I think like you know, I want to see him interview the president again. He said he would interview the president again. Yeah, yeah. But he won't. I hope he doesn't laugh at the inappropriate <laughs> things this time. <laughs> Billy Bush and the iPhone 11 was announced today with Profusion. There's something really cool about the cameras. I was trying to figure. Like it's got like there's all these cameras on the back, like additional cameras. And so like I don't know, like it's super high tech software that'll sort of like take several pictures and then fuse it together and sort of bring in the details and get out the noise. And I tell you, it's amazing. I've got I have a uh, iPhone 10 and the camera on that is amazing. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. The pictures are pretty remarkable. Well, they're going to get even better. Oh my goodness, well, we're looking at better. Yeah, yeah. So when they when they're ready to implant the iPhone in your head, will you? Will you be on the, in line for that to have happen? Or? Uh, I, I assume that, like, by the time they get to that thing, it's not going to be intrusive and it's going to work. I mean, I, I don't know that it'll be an early adopter, but <laughs> like, I, I'm not, I don't know that I'm going to do it while it's in beta. But, I mean, after the beta phase, yeah, in all likelihood. Yeah, yeah. I'm and, getting it. Yeah. So we got that. And anything else? Is, well, the NFL season kicked off. The NFL season kicked off. Antonio Brown captured the world for a while. My, uh, you know, I was, I was defend, I, I could be a defend, or at least someone who gave Antonio Brown the benefit of the doubt until he went to the New England Patriots. Patriots. Yeah. No, I can't, I can't stomach that. But. It's, it's, uh, you know, hey, everybody loves a winner. Everybody loves a winner. That's you for know? sure. That's for sure. Uh, and then he, he, he hashtag God's plan. Yeah. Hey, ultimately, you know. That's the same God that gave us Donald Trump to put Antonio Brown in New England. Yeah. So that would be Marduk. Yeah. I think it's Marduk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is, uh... <laughs> or what was the God that attacked the Ghostbusters? It was that one. Yeah. By the way, did you see also there was a huge article? I read about half of it in Politico about Jerry Falwell Jr. Oh, yeah. No, I read that. Yeah. That's pretty. Wild stuff, man. There's yeah. a lot of wild stuff going on There's in a, Liberty. I never knew Lynchburg was swampy, but it's oh. it's pretty swampy there in Lynchburg. Man, yeah. it, you know, Lynchburg rocketed up on my vacation destination list. She's like, it's a real place where there's a lot yeah. of action. I like, will I will say, you know, uh, now again, there was hardly anything about Jerry Falwell's politics or um, uh, theology that I agreed with. Uh, I don't think I don't think he was personally corrupt. I think he was somebody who was pretty. Pretty um, moral in what he did, um, and financially, that that their institution was always they always when he when when it was when the whole Lynchburg or Liberty thing was under his his uh, auspices, it was a squeaky clean organization. What you're saying is the apple fell a little far from the tree. I, I'm just thinking that I don't I don't know where the Franklins and the Falwell sent their sons to camp, but. <laughs> But so find that out and do not send your children there. <laughs> Although Trump really Trump was pumping up the Samaritan's purse at the uh, at the rally in North Carolina. Oh, and did I, I we also realize that you and I are part of the anti-religion 
party. Are you you you're a registered Democrat, right? Yeah, well, uh, he said that at the rally, right? Right. Whereas the latest poll says seventy five percent Democrats uh, say that their religion is very important to them, and a high level, high percentage of this practice. That's that was the latest. Uh, that was the last two thousand fourteen. How? What's that number in the Republican Party? I wonder. I don't know. That's an interesting one. I mean, um, that is an interesting. You would, you would, the assumption is that it's higher. But you and I have talked before about the phenomena of people who identify as Christian but don't worship. So that's a high percent. That's a higher percentage in our country, more and more. And uh, many people, uh, they're in many churches all across America. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So that's that's going on out there. Uh, I'm sure there's things that we're missing. It just happened. Everything happens so quick. Oh. Sarah Palin's getting a divorce. Divorce, yeah. yeah, yeah. So she is available. Here we go. <laughs> I mean that. I bet. I you know. I'd be interesting on a date with Sarah Palin if you're a single guy. I you know, like I think she'd probably be surprisingly interesting. Like you know, well, yeah. I mean, she's you could go hunting, fishing. She's good at that. Yeah, I, I you know, just uh, she's yeah. an attractive former yeah. beauty queen. Former so, beauty queen. Former, former uh, vice president, president <laughs> there's a be. I mean, there'd be some stories anyway. I mean, it's not dull. Nah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I think she. I think like her husband would be the duller of the two. I would guess, but right, that would have been. You know, again, I think who knows what goes wrong on or wrong behind closed doors. Uh, I, I would I, love to know. I would love. I would love it. You know what? That family was. Um, they were thrust into a limelight, and uh, yeah, I mean that's what's happened with the kids and everything. Pretty, yeah, it's it's unfortunate in some ways that that's that's what happens to families of politicians. So, I mean, they say yes to it. Um, but we had the whole. Speaking of families of politicians, we had the Tiffany controversy while we were. Going. Remember the. Uh, the assistant oh said that trump doesn't like her because she thinks she's not thin enough to be a trump woman like yeah obviously that's not an issue to be a trump man no <laughs> yeah that's unfortunate i mean again i'm i'm about here i mean the fact is the one thing in that position if you're in in white house or any kind of administrative you know you that's that's such crossing the line when you share personal family stuff with people um yeah, apparently this woman was a 28 year old who, uh, it, it was funny. They were sharing her resume. I think she, I know she worked at Barnaby's or something. I don't know for a while. It was a pretty thin resume. Yeah. And she was in a very, very influential position and obviously went to her head. And, but everybody, you know, people around Trump continue to fall, yet he still stands. And president, vice, the vice president was, was able to offend people in every country he visited. Uh, uh, and the president congratulated Poland on the start of World War II. Did you see that? Oh my gosh. Oh no. Someone, I hope someone said, Hey, that was not a good day for Poland. It was not a good week, six weeks, but I, I digress. <laughs> oh my God. Like, yeah, uh, and who knows? Brexit hangs in the uh, in the midst. Oh, you know it does. You know what? It is kind of. Uh, it is kind of encouraging that at least democracy is still holding its own and barely holding its own in England. I, I mean, that could torpedo a third prime minister. Like, oh yeah, if Boris Johnson went down, there would be like three. Okay, if Bor- can I just say Boris Johnson kicked out the grandson of Winston Churchill from his party? <laughs> okay, yeah, hey, there hey. we go. He's not. He's he's uh, he's not messing around over there. Yeah, and his own no, brother. Actually, actually, his own brother's out. His too. own brother quit. I did see uh, Andy. Uh, Who's the guy does the for the New Yorker the the yeah, Horowitz or Andy Horowitz that uh, Johnson's dog has quit being his pet? Yeah, <laughs> can no longer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Johnson 
Man, I tell you, to mess that up so quickly, that's, uh, yeah, I, he's a pretty unlikable person. I, apparently, you know, he, he's much brighter than he, he, part of him being the kind of gruff exterior is part of his shtick. He's a, he's a, he's, he's an, he's an Oxford educated guy, but, uh, at any rate. So, so there we are. Good luck, England. Good luck, England. Great Britain. We love, we love you. Oh, well, I could speak our, we should, it, it might be England by the time all this is done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think about the whole new Brexit deal. Like, nobody knows, like, what will happen if that, like, I was reading some stuff about, like, the, with WTO and the, like, no one really knows what the ground rules are if, if there, it could be utter chaos. Well, right. They were talking about there'd be food shortages, there'd be backups trying to go from, uh, you know, across the channel. Uh, what happens between them? You know, there is, there is an open border between the Republic of Ireland and Northern Ireland. I was actually, I, had, I was there just when they were dismantling that years ago, the first time I was in Ireland, which was such a huge deal because they still had all those military towers and things from the days of the trouble. And the fact that the, the border between Ireland and Northern Ireland was opening up was, uh, was such an amazing moment. In they Ireland. could build a wall and get the EU to pay for it. There we go. There we go. By the way, Mexico, who's paying for that wall? Uh, we are. Yeah, the we, U.S. defense budget. Yeah, take away 100 projects, 100 some projects from the military to build a wall that will be obsolete before it's even up. Yeah, don't they ever watch those old Batman shows in the 60s? They could yeah. grapple hook up skyscrapers. <laughs> I mean, they could, they could grapple like, like Adam West. I'm speaking one more. The, I think, movie event of the fall will be The Joker. Oh, yeah. But apparently, it's, the previews are, yeah, are people say it's phenomenal. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no. So I think we've covered. Did we cover everything there? Pretty much. Yeah. All right, here we go. We're moving on, folks. I want to take a brief moment to ask you a quick question. Do you like this podcast? Do you enjoy it? Do you look forward to listening to it while you do a morning, afternoon, or evening routine, or while you're exercising, or while you're caught frustrated in traffic? Do you tune into it because of the conversations you find here? If the answer to the aforementioned questions is yes, or even just a solid maybe, would you do something for me? Would you consider becoming a Patreon sponsor of the podcast for just five bucks a month or more? It's for a good cause. You can help this podcast and one of the many others I do keep going. And you can help launch several other podcasts, projects I've got in the works. So I invite you to be a patron through Patreon of this, which I think is an art form you're enjoying and will continue to enjoy. Again, any contribution is welcome, but for five bucks a month, you will get a shout out on the thank you roll call, which begins right now. Thank you, David Babico, Andrew Stravitz, Barry Stewart, Ben Crosby, Ben DeHart, Carol Clemens, Charlotte Donlin, David Norling, David Zoll, Ellis Brazil, Jennifer Spite, Jennifer Underwood, Jim Cress, Joel Wentz, John Schneider, Jonathan Butran, Jordan Mossberger, Josh Redder, Kai Wittenpeg, Larry Rule, Liam O'Brien, Michael Butera, Peter Steigerwald, Samantha Konauer, Sari Graham, Simone Garabedi, and Stephen Rowe, and Jody Stevenson. If you want to join these patrons through Patreon, just go to patreon.com forward slash Scott Kent Jones. Thanks again for listening, and now back to the show. All right, very good. So this is kind of a preamble to it. We're, we're going to start a series. You were inspired on vacation. I was. All right. And your inspiration inspired me as well. So um, for lack of a better overarching framework for what we're about to 
We're talking a little bit about Chesterton. Yeah, Chesterton kind of. You, well, you did a great interview. I, I actually listened to both of those interviews on uh, your give and take. Uh, interesting guy. Uh, Shields is, I mean. Shields is an interesting guy. I, I, went I up, could talk to Shields all day. He but. is an interesting guy. I, I, you know, he's got this movie. I mean, Marshawn Lynch is somebody. Our family always loved Marshawn Lynch. Uh, we always enjoyed his uh, press conferences, lack of press conferences. And his quotes are infamous, uh, funny stuff. Even from college, we lived in college when after they won, he took the, uh, took the golf cart, was driving the golf cart around the field. But uh, it's interesting the reviews. Have you read the reviews on this film? They're mixed. Yeah. 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 I've read, yeah. I've read a couple of good ones. And I read one really negative one, which is by like this Seattle sports where that has like, I think Chance kind of has it in for Shields, but well, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. I read a mixed one from the New Yorker. It was a review, I think, that was connected with the New Yorker. I think it was the New Yorker, but anyway, I don't think I read that one. Uh, but uh, anyway, the movie is about uh, Marshawn Lynch and his silence. For those of you who don't know who Marshawn Lynch was, he was a a uh, beast mode. Was his name? Go beast mode. There was an earthquake, a minor earthquake that was caused because of his run in the the thundering claws in the Seattle superdome i guess they still play in the superdome and at any rate but uh he was notorious uh infamous for not answering questions and uh shields actually and i i think i think he's right about this i think he he talks about it as a form of protest and uh so but anyway, rate your interview with him's awesome go so if you haven't listened to it listen to it on give and take but the interview kind of you start talking about chesterton yeah we did a second episode we we took like a 10 minute break and then we wanted to like because i forget how the last time i talked to him about it by the way can you i don't i don't purposely kiss up to you when i like something I right now i know yeah 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 i really liked it yeah then yeah, thank you it was really nice i mean it was it was interesting too because we were on like a balcony in this hotel yeah, it was New cool. So it was, it sounded it was cool. Very, you could hear, yeah, the, you'd hear the back. You could hear New York in the background. Yeah, that was and fun. It, and we took this break because, like, sometimes the last conversation we had before that, we had this Chesterton. I don't even know if we talked about it. No, he's not a person of faith. He's no always, Shields is a, a secular. He grew, was raised a secular Jew. I mean, I, he's agnostic or atheist, but so. he's but he's certainly an open one of these open guys. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, he he says, you know, he at one point he said, you know, if you che- if you separate exchange the word god for art i'm not far well, away right, well right i mean isn't that though that's uh there's a there's a lot have been has been written about that yeah. yeah and so we we wanted to talk about gk chesterton so we he had these aphorisms and we talked about that and we got talking probably spent like 35 minutes talking about chesterton and it, it was interesting because the first quote he read so we should give our li- we should not assume all our listeners know gk gilbert keith chesterton uh who was uh, died in 1932, I think? Yeah, he was an uh, essayist, journalist, probably journalist by trade. He probably, if you know anything of him, if, you, if you're just an introduction to him, the Father Brown Mysteries were written by him. Um, what you see on BBC loses a lot of the religious symbolism in the in the books. Uh, matter of fact, one of the quotes you all use, that I use, used in my sermon, uh, is actually from one of the Father Brown mystery books. But those of us who are in, uh, uh, particularly in the religious Christian field, many of us have, have greatly enjoyed his works. So, uh, you know, maybe, I, you know, I mean, again, it's more of a commentary than a biography, but his biographies, both on Francis, St. Francis and on Thomas Aquinas are, everyone needs to have those on their shelves. And I don't, you know, he's got many where, but my, you know, I think a lot of us have been very influenced by his work called Orthodoxy. Yeah. And, and I have this quote that you posted 
from your sermon. This is how, this is the first quote Shields and I started with. No man's really any good till he knows how bad he is or might be till he's realized exactly how much right he has to all the snobbery and sneering and talking about criminals as if they were apes in a forest 10,000 miles away till he's got rid of all the dirty self-deception of talking about low types and deficient skulls till he squeezed out of his soul the last drop of the oil of the Pharisees, till his only hope is somehow or other to have captured one criminal and kept him safe and sane under his own hat. And that, you know, Shields love that because he's like, this is so great because it's like, you don't know where Chester's going with it. And he's like, it's you. It's, it's like, <laughs> right. You are the man. It's sort right. of like that you, you realize you don't know sort of the uh, depth uh, of human fragility and brokenness and the tragic nature of it until you realize you've captured one criminal the one un- under your own hat right well i i actually think it's apocryphal but the, the the most famous one of the most famous stories about chesterton is him his submission for the essay contest. right in the london times where they were like yeah. what's wrong with the world and he wrote back i am <laughs> gk chesterton yeah, that's one of those that's one of those if it's not true it should be and uh it actually really sum summarizes a lot of what he um he believed he was an atheist and converted initially to uh, Anglicanism, Church of England, but ended his life as Roman Catholic, which is... Um, I thought he converted straight to Catholicism. No, he was an Anglican first. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. But um, which is, which is, that alone is an interesting topic. The, from, you know, those starting in the 19th century up through the 20th century, um, those English Catholics, both the literary and theological influence they had. Um, cause I read a lot of Hopkins this summer and, and his, uh, he was a Jesuit priest who many thinks one of the great, greatest modern poem, one of the great modern poets of, um, of England. And no one read him until after his death, but he certainly influenced, uh, Coolidge was his editor. Uh, T.S. Eliot was very, uh, so I thought he was a great poet. So it's, but he was another one of those, uh, Coming Catholic in England, we don't quite fully understand what that meant. Yeah, it's a pretty, it's pretty countercultural. Well, it was, you lost rights in the 19th century. And, uh, um, but, uh, or not Newbegin, but, uh, uh, Cardinal Newman, John Henry Newman lost his teaching position when he converted to Catholicism. Uh, he, uh, Hopkins was estranged from his family for a while. But then all of that kind of, uh, was TSL was a Roman Catholic. Yeah. TSL was, uh, he was Anglican. Are you sure? Yeah. I thought he was Catholic. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Not to you. Tolkien. Tolkien. Yeah, Tolkien, Tolkien was a Catholic. Tolkien yeah. was Catholic. T.S. Eliot was high church, high church Anglican. Um, and C.S. Lewis was an Anglican who hated the organ music. <laughs> hey. <Church> history is- <laughs> right one. Did you just get a right one? Uh, right. right one without the choir. Well, well, yeah, go through the early service. Uh, although many people, he probably, many people think he'd probably be a Roman Catholic if he was. At any rate, so G.K. Chesterton, one of the great phrases from that book on orthodoxy, well, the subtitle is The Romance of Orthodoxy, right? That's one of the subtitles of the book. It's it's in there. I haven't looked, I haven't read that for a while. But you and I started talking about this idea of the romance of orthodoxy. I mean, we were, we were having side conversation about some ideas that are floating out there that, and some works that we will probably, contemporary, contemporary, that we will probably address indirectly or directly. But, uh, we thought this was a great opportunity to kind of say why we, believe what we believe and, and why we, uh, you know, I feel some great rigor about that. I mean, I, you had a beautiful statement when, you know, you told them why you were Christian. Even you had a, you had such a Scott thing where you posted yourself as a shadow of Elvis on your Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> that is, yeah. My that friend is, Dave that is so you, uh, but, uh, 
But what you said was very powerful. Yeah, I said something. I think I, th- I think I said that I, I thought this after that conversation is that I said something like I t- I posted that the occup the occupational hazard of being a minister is that you can just take for granted the sheer joy of being a Christian, which I think is the best game in town. And I and I do. Yeah. I mean. The thing that like comes out in the conversation with Shields, probably in both of the in the Marshall Lynch and the Chesterton that stuck with me is that like is that the something about the lenses I think you appreciated were a sort of very like honest, kind of non romantic view of human nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yet a very an openness to truth wherever it is, and a kind of hopeful world kind of embracing lens. And I, I think those kinds of things, this sort of ability to take original sin seriously yeah. and yet see the world as a place where miracles happen, you know, where, where, where there's beauty all around us, there's possibility all around us and yet tragedy, you know, and, and, and those things being able to coexist in, in a sort of vision of reality that can embrace the highs and lows of that spectrum and everything in between and that for me is part of what what is so I think invigorating about you know a, a kind of orthodox small o Christianity kind of tradition Christianity that's rooted in you know what well it was the original capital o. <laughs> right 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 the original capital o. but you know this sort of yeah, what, what 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 Christians in all times and places have believed sort of th- you know the sort of Venn diagram things that you could sort of piece together that is at the heart of what Christians have believed and, and that to me is. It was something that, in my conversation with Shields, talking with him about it helped me appreciate more more than I often do, just because I, it's just it's sort of it's my it's how I'm viewing the world. I'm not you know in in, in explaining to him in a conversational way that I wouldn't have every day with somebody because he's just you know because he's this brilliant guy and we're you know he's sitting and he's really curious you know yeah and, yeah. and asking really penetrating questions and that it made me come away really grateful for uh take on reality i don't think you can find anywhere else yeah no i i was uh and i've talked about this place before uh i'm, I'm writing something about because i need to um and for my own self but um going back to west virginia with my with my um mom and i stopped by at the markwood um markwood methodist church uh and it's probably gonna it's probably that would be mmc huh yeah well, it was, yeah, it was, it was, or, or M squared C. It's, well, it's, it's, it's a little white church on, on route 50. And if you drive by there, uh, between Romney and Kaiser, you can still walk in because the door's always open, but that'd be a great political theorist book between Romney and Kaiser <laughs> <laughs> or Kaiser and Romney. Yeah. Yeah. 1932. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, the, Raymond McDonald died. Um, and that name means nothing, probably to only maybe a few of you listen to this, but he was the son of Uncle Carl McDonald. And, uh, Raymond's probably the only person keeping that little church alive. They're preaching, they don't get preaching anymore because they were down. It was when I was a kid, when I, when I was born, it was a part of a seven church charge in the Methodist church. So you only, so some poor young seminarian or some old second career person, uh, once one week would preach four sermons, would drive around to do four churches, and then the next week would do three. And so, the, so growing up, I don't remember any ministers. There was, they were only there every other week or so. But it's down to maybe five people now. But Uncle Carl McDowell, McDowell um, I remember him as a child. He seemed ancient at the time, but he would teach Sunday school. And such a lovely, beautiful person. He died on his way to church. He had a heart attack on his way to church. But there was a picture on the back wall with him as a child. So like 1900. 12, 1912 or something like that. 
building the building. And a group of them had been converted uh, from a revival service to my great-grandfather. Wow. And um, that's where I first heard about Jesus. And uh, it's a little, you know, one-room place. My grandmother, uh, who was the best Christian I ever knew, best person I ever knew, uh, taught a bunch of us kids for 30 years. We were the, She was the first person that told us about Jesus. And my guess is the vast majority of us who heard about Jesus from her still believed in Jesus because even before we could read the gospel, we could read her life and her love. And, you know, <laughs> I just, am, you know, I'm thinking about this little, shell of a building built by the hands of the people whose who its days as a worshiping place uh are over and you know it's a building that's not going to survive much longer anyway but uh i i found such joy because the power see the power of the gospel is not connected to that building and the fact that that season uh over 100 years is about over but how the faith of Uncle, a faith of my great grandfather, uh, Uncle Carl, who was everybody's uncle, but none of us related to him. My grandmother, uh, and how that has the ripples of that. Um, I get even in the midst of my own flawed life and ministry, you know, how many people are doing things out there because of, you know, a faithful woman who taught us to love Jesus. And, uh, and the thing about it is I, you know, for me, the idea that we are, Lost sinners and the love of God has never been a contradictory thing for me. I mean, because I think, you know, what Newman talks about that Bible Christianity where it's almost intuitive. Um, you know, one of the things I've, I've said before, what's different about what's called evangelicalism now and the kind of really Bible based faith that I grew up in that if someone was a racist or someone was saying the kind of things that Donald Trump would say, they say, uh, brother, you, you shouldn't be talking that. I mean, you know, you, that's not right. Okay. And even though they knew they, they they knew even when they were wrong in their prejudices, they knew they were wrong. I mean, they weren't something that they they tried to politicize or you know victimize away. And uh, I don't know that I think the thing about the romance of orthodoxy that it cuts it cuts us all, it cuts us both ways, and it and it's a true message of liberation uh, because it never <laughs> the bad news doesn't get watered down. I mean, the good news, as you said, p- particularly shines through because. Uh, there's some really bad news. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's right. Like, I think it, you know, I've heard Tim Keller say before, like, uh, he who shall not who used to say that what he <laughs> oh, who shall not be named. <laughs> uh, I've heard him say something like, you know, the, the gospel. It 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 says to you that you know you're worse off than you ever thought. At the same time, you're more loved than you can imagine. Right. So I mean, you know, that the, there's that that really the good news shines in, especially bright. In, in the darkness. I mean, and, right. the other thing that, like, I think now, as I've been thinking a, a lot over this year about Hegelian kind of themes, this idea that, like, the dialectic where these right. contradictions, seeming contradictions, are really not the the, the truth is in there in the contradiction. And right. I think so much that's at the heart of of this sort of classic orthodox christianity the, the these these divine mysteries of god is one in three and jesus is human and divine you know it, 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 the crucified god all these things they, they provide a matrix for you to see things to see truth in a way that is multivalent and and to see that that in seeming either ors there's these interesting both ands yeah that's why i think mercy and judgment needs to be we need to hold on to it. yeah yeah to, co- to collapse them and to, if you collapse either one of them, you end up with a distortion of Christianity. And there are plenty of both ancient and modern examples of it. Yeah. Yeah. So we are going to uh, 
We'll continue to, to talk about think this. about these things, think on these things. It's good to be back with you. Good to be back. We're in the we're heading towards the fall now. Yes, uh, Scott. So. Always good to be with you. Uh, absolutely. All right. Peace, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Bye now. Hey, listeners. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of New Persuasive Words. Hope you enjoyed Scott and Bill's conversation, and will join us back here next time. Until then, thanks for listening, and God bless. <laughs>